Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's the boxing podcast that always packs a punch. And this week, we'll hear from one of the sport's big hitters, Anthony Joshua. Speaking of Anthony Joshua, his nemesis, Jarrell Miller, drops by for a hugely entertaining chat. Just two of the big names building up to the biggest fight card of the season in Saudi Arabia this weekend. And we are across it all. I'm Alice McCarthy. I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook. That's right, The Hook is back once again and once again. Charlotte Daly is in Saudi Arabia. It's her second time at this point. Uh, she is in town for, of course, the Day of Reckoning. Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. On the same card, male sport is across it all. We're speaking to everyone. And that's all thanks to you, Charlotte. How is life in Saudi right now? Yeah, life in Saudi is pretty good. I mean, landed um, late on Sunday evening and spent all day yesterday interviewing pretty much the entire card. So day one was pretty manic, um, but had some really good chats with, as we've said, Anthony Joshua, Jarrell Miller. Um, They'll be featuring the show later today. We've obviously got a jam-packed week ahead of us. We've got the grand arrivals this evening, the open workout on Wednesday, press conference on Thursday, way in Friday, and then Saturday's fight night. So it is super busy and lots of content to come. Well, that presser is going to be lively if the interactions between Jarrell Miller and anyone, <laughs> not just Jarrell Miller and Anthony Joshua, but Daniel Dubois has been in his sights as well. If those interactions are anything to go by, he is in a feisty mood. Yeah, he said he's already said that he wants to make fireworks happen and that he's all about getting the hype up for this uh, weekend. And we've already seen in the fact that the boxers are all staying in the same hotel that um, clashes are happening. It, they've only been there for a day and there's already been two um, plastered all over social media. So I'm expecting a few more. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the common denominator there being Jarrell Miller. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think uh, that's worth pointing out. Um, and you're going to speak to your chum. I think we can all call him your chum right now. Jonte uh, Wilder today. <laughs> yeah, so I was hoping to catch um, Wilder yesterday, but the way things went, it was just manic. So I'm hoping to catch him today. I want to speak to Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren. Um, and then I'll bring, be bringing you some other interviews from some stars that are coming to watch the fight on Saturday. Well, as we say, Jarrell Miller and Anthony Joshua on the show today. Deontay Wilder to come, which you will be able to read at Mail Sport Boxing uh, online, which is our website, of course. And you'll see a lot of these interviews on Mail Sport Boxing YouTube channel as well. So make sure... You drop by and get all of the fight week content, all of the great stuff that Charlotte is getting for you this week. 
like I always say across all your senses, you want to read it, you want to listen, you want to look. We got it all covered for you. Um, do, what's the electricity like? Is it building yet in Saudi? Like you, we mentioned the kind of intensity um, and the egos maybe that are banging around that hotel. I'm going to imagine it's going to get worse as the week goes on. But as you came into town, can you give us a bit of a, a scene setter? Do you know what? There hasn't actually been um, much at the moment. I think this was the same as the Tyson Fury Francis and Garnu fight. It wasn't until kind of the Thursday, maybe the Friday, that things started to ramp up. Um, they've got this place called the Boulevard over in Saudi Arabia, which um, they've effectively called Times Square 2, and it looks identical to Times Square in New York. Um, and that is the place where all the atmosphere is growing. The billboards and the scenery they have for the fight week last time was unbelievable now I haven't been there yet but I am heading there tonight and I'm expecting the atmosphere at that to be similar to last time um again in and around the arena that is pretty um heightened with atmosphere but around the town there's not as much to be honest and I think that's because everything in Riyadh's quite quite separated you have to you have to get ubers or taxis everywhere um so the atmosphere doesn't travel as well but in those key areas and key locations um yes it's starting to pick up and it's only going to get better throughout fight week you know we talk about Riyadh season where they try and showcase the biggest sports and you know they've put so much money into uh basically yeah as i say showcasing the the city and the country um, and obviously this is a huge, huge event that was really meant to be Fury and Usyk, let's be honest. Um, and then when that got moved, they've pivoted to one of the most stacked cards in living memory. Um, we've got so, so much more to come from Saudi Arabia, of course, with those massive interviews on this show. But next, let's take a look back at what transpired on a busy weekend of fight action just gone. We talk about big weekends of fight action, Charlotte. Where better to start than with Jake Paul? Uh, he got a first round knockout on Andre August. He did what he said he was coming to do. He said he faced a real boxer for the first time in his career. Uh, what, did, what did, I mean, it's hard to have learned much. Is it not from a first round knockout of Jake? Yeah, I mean, first round knockouts, as you say, you, you don't get to see as much, especially when he's fighting a um, real boxer, as everyone likes to say. But you have to give him credit because he's taken on the challenge of facing a real boxer and he won the fight. You know, that marks his eighth win in total and his fifth by knockout. So credit has to be given to him. And if you actually watch the knockout, he teed it up quite nicely. I thought he did He did a really good job with it. I think um, the fact that the fight started and Andre August um, landed a very strong right overhand um, and then he responded by teeing up that lovely uppercut to kind of send him crashing to the canvas within the first round. So, um, yeah, cre credit has to be given to him. We would have likened to see it go on a little bit longer just so we could see more of Jake. Um, but at the end of the day, he's done what he said that he was going to do. And, um, yeah, it was an impressive connection on that uppercut. So I think it was good. He, he threw out that left jab and then came through with the right uppercut that, August obviously wasn't able to read. Now, no, August was what twelve and one, I think, before this encounter with Paul. And I think he'd only had one fight in like the last three years, three or four years. 
uh, prior to getting in the ring with Jake. So it's worth adding that context, I think. Like, you know, he is fighting, okay, people that are trained boxers and, and that is that is their domain and they're not crossover fights anymore and he's moving away from that. But at the same time, uh, you know, like boxing does, he's being match made in his early in his early fights and he's hoping to build up that experience which you know is a given i guess because we've both sat here and said where he's at he's not going to be challenging for a world title anytime soon um you know so i guess to impressively put someone away at this stage it shows where he's at and the kind of people that he could be fighting next exactly it's a step in the right direction we're not saying that he's there or that this was the make or break opponent for him we're not saying any of that he has just simply said himself he wants to transition into professional boxing and this is his way in you know he's been fighting youtubers and influencers um sorry and um former MMA stars and people like that he needed to transition and this was the stepping stone into it so now that he has fought a professional boxer we need him to take the next step and fight someone with a slightly better ability within that professional kind of segment yeah again though he he did say at the the post-fight press conference you know the victory came in his manifestations, uh, manifestations, in fact, and visualizations. And I'm not surprised, really, that when everything that he's pretty much gone for in life, he's been able to make happen. So, no wonder he believes everything that he puts his mind to, right? Like it's all worked out for him thus far. Um, you know, he has beat a pro boxer now on his record. We talk about Tommy Fury, kind of getting he's meant to be a pro boxer, and obviously did beat Jake got rocked by KSI at one point in that fight. I guess, is it, is it time that we stop looking down? And I think we've, we've probably even done it subconsciously in this conversation right here. But you look down at people that don't come into boxing traditionally, right? They don't work their way up through the gyms and earn their pro card. It's, it's an evolved path now, I think it's fair to say. And if anything, Jake could be somebody who's blazed a trail for many others to follow him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I said it again on our previous podcast that I have absolutely no problem with Jake Paul venturing into the professional side as long as he's committed and takes it seriously. And he's shown that, that his training, his camps, he's training like a professional athlete. He's, you know, trying to live the lifestyle of a professional athlete. He's talking about wanting to be a professional athlete. That's all exactly what we want from him you know he's dismissed the thought of fighting KSI in what would be a very lucrative um, bout he's dismissed fighting on misfits and having more crossover uh, fights with any YouTubers he's doing all the right things he's trying to now fight professional boxers and I have absolutely no issue with any of that and I think he deserves the opportunity if he's going to put the work in, he's going to get the results, but he has to stay on this path. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. He needs to keep fighting the professionals. I mean, Jake Paul has a lot to prove, but AJ, Anthony Joshua, that is, has about as much to prove as everyone else, apparently, in the eyes of many, coming into a big fight calendar in 2024. Uh, and you've been speaking to him, Charlotte. Yeah, so I caught up with AJ yesterday, had a really good chat with him, actually. We covered so much. Um, But yeah, one of the big topics was pressure on his shoulders and, you know, where he sees his career going. And yeah, well, this is what he had to say. 
the impact that you've had on boxing and being the golden boy of um, GB boxing, mm-hmm. how does it feel to have kind of brought so many eyeballs into the sport? I feel um, it's God's work. It's a blessing. Um, what can I say? I don't. I don't look at it like that. I've just been doing what I've been destined to do. At, at 18, I uh, changed my mindset and I wanted something different for myself. And I found boxing. And uh, through that, I was channeling everything that was inside me through boxing and everything, all my blessings. And like, I was just put in that position to do a job in it to bring people towards boxing. Maybe that was my calling to bring more eyes to the sport of boxing. And look at us now. We're in Saudi. Um, amazing place that's opening up so many different opportunities for people and with my coming to boxing and reigning brought a lot of eyes to the sport and mm-hmm. people are probably this hasn't happened yesterday this has probably been in the works for a long yeah. time so maybe that's my calling is to open up new doors and bring new people to the sport of boxing now I saw you say in an interview recently that um, you think people doubt how good you are what did you mean by that and why do you kind of feel that people are doubting you did I say it yeah, TNT. In what context? <laughs> that, okay. That's what I'm asking. What yeah, is the context? True. It's a good question. Um, people doubt how good I am. Um, I was saying earlier, actually, is that normally people can see in you what you don't see in yourself. Um, but if they doubt how good I am, maybe they just want more, you know, which is fine. I say it's actually a good thing because people expect more. People probably know I can give more. And believe you me, I'm at that stage where I want to give more. Um, my team know I push hard. But nothing is done overnight. It takes time. And um, to get to the next level is going to take a bit of time. But it's something I'm working towards for, for sure. Even me speaking about it now, saying I'm working towards it. I'm, I'm a yeah. doer. So it means <laughs> I'll do it. And people are always wanting more from you. I mean, it's, good. it's, it's a given. But and I also, want more from myself. <laughs> it's, it's hard that people are constantly wanting it's more good. from you. Does it's it, good. Yeah. What is your opinion on the fact that, you know, people are constantly at you or questioning Brilliant. you or... Do you feel like you've been treated fairly? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Heavy is the head that wears a crown. Heavy is the head that wants the crown. I want it. This is my calling. This is what I've dedicated my life to from the age of 18. And um, I need the pressure. Um, This this position I'm in isn't one that is a joke. It's serious. Um, I understand what I'm here for. I understand what I'm doing. And I understand the pressures that come with it. And I want to keep on chasing my goals. I want to chase the goals of people that love the sport. And um, it's just my way of showing them that I honour them by doing what I'm supposed to do. So keep on putting pressure on me and I'll keep on making sure I get better, for sure. And in terms of those goals now, I know we've spoken, well, you've spoken a lot about what they are. You know, there's almost a difference between the entertainment route yeah. and then the IBF the and winning titles. Yeah, yeah, the legacy, yeah. So what yeah. one means more to you? Which one do legacy, you want to pursue? History. Legacy yeah. and history, yeah. Because I've always, like, when entertainment wasn't important, I always understood to capture the attention from an entertainment point of view. I always had my eyes peeled on doing things outside of the sport. Um, so I've always had the entertainment factor, not in a way where I'm doing crazy things, but outside of the sport. So I feel like I've got that, but I've also kept my integrity where it's like I am actually a fighter away from everything else. I'm a fighter through and through. So, yeah, for me, uh, being a fighter chasing some sort of legacy chasing like what history means in boxing like what greatness means to the fighting community I'm chasing that more than anything Mm. does it frustrate you then when you hear people like 
Tyson Fury saying he doesn't care about unifying and then is actually now going to take that fight. Like, as somebody who's driven by legacy, does it frustrate you when people in those positions... Yeah, not so much frustration because, um, you know what it is, people can change their views at certain times in life. So maybe at that time in his life, he's going through something where he just feels that way and somewhere else before a fight, you know, this is everything to him. So, mm -hmm. you know, who knows what people are going through, but um, everyone is subject to change. And at that time, he just feels that maybe he feels he's bigger and better than that. He never knows. It's not a bad thing. He's just like, I'm above this. I'm going to win that anyway. Mm -hmm. Like someone that is a high achiever is like, this is nothing to me. Yeah. That, so that's probably how I interpret. He might just see himself as a high achiever. Yeah. And someone that is all about changes. You, you spoke about, again previously, that priorities have changed over time. Yeah. Um, you were talking about a lot of that outside the ring. What did you mean in terms of your priorities had changed in that aspect? What, what was that? I say sometimes as an athlete, um, when you first start off, you know, everything is about your sport. Your whole life mm -hmm. is about your sport. You're willing to do anything. And then as you get older, maybe you have a family and so on. And then what can happen is, your life becomes priority and sports become second. It's a natural process. Um, but I say that you have to always keep your sport first, your job, your work, your passion, your calling in life. Um, you have to keep this your primary focus and you have to keep life second. Now to do this for a long period of time, it is challenging. <laughs> easier said than done. It's easier said <laughs> than done, you know, because there's sometimes that you don't feel like doing as a should, you sometimes do look back and say, Ah, oh, I've done it for such a long time. Maybe I need a break, but you have to be consistent. And uh, that's what I mean is like, you have to keep your sport, everything. You have to have the same passion you did when you was a youngster, when it was like, this meant the life, the world to you. Yeah. And that's how I still see it now. One of the changes that I, from an outsider, would think that helps kind of drive that passion yeah. is, now, I know you're at Loughborough for a long time training. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went to uni there, great yeah. facilities, yeah, really, really good, good. Really good. But I can imagine every time you rocked up, it was like nah. superstar. Nah. No? I'd ride my bike from the hotel, <laughs> past the like, hockey pitch, yeah. past the athletic grounds, cruise through the middle part. Okay. Everyone was chilled. They get the rugby players coming down there, NFL. People were very respectful. And the, the thing about uni, I'm amongst people that are chasing a goal. They're chasing to be the best in there chosen field whatever they're doing and I'm chosen sports so they're respectful it's not a place like where it's like oh my gosh this person is an entertainer then they they respect people that are chasing something like chasing yeah. something great in their life and you know I found I found a level of respect there was obviously a few students there that were drunk one night <laughs> that you know they lived close to me so I just had to tell them listen I live here as well so you you got to show respect. You we don't want to be enemies on each other's yeah. doorstep. So I had to go and <laughs> chat to them. <laughs> that um, was that. You know, it happens. It happens. And, and well, uh, we we found a common ground, and I had a good time while I was there. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, I know you're high in demand, so I'm going to let you go in a yeah. minute. But just yeah. quickly, want to preview the fight on the weekend, yeah. Otto Valen. Um, people say that you struggle with southpaws, right? Yeah. But you actually won your first title fighting a southpaw. That's no, on with logic. And, <laughs> and in the Olympics, you did also fight another southpaw. And in the world. And won, exactly. And in the world, So yeah. does it- You know your stuff. Does it off when people say that it's a southpaw that you struggled with? <laughs> no, it's, it's journalism. It creates content, it creates conversation. Um, and I'm not gonna battle narratives. It's, it takes too much to do, but at the end of the day, um, no one's here forever. Many great fighters have come before me and um, I'm just happy within myself what I'm doing. Um, I'm not trying to prove like 
yeah, I, I got beat by one of the best southpaws in the world. Um, could I have done better? 100%. Will I do better if I got another chance? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just got beat by a better fighter than me on the night. And it's not that I struggle with southpaws, I struggled with the opponent. Yeah. Um, and Otto Wallen is a completely different opponent. So let's just see how we get on with this southpaw, you know. It's like saying someone who has five losses on their records to orthodox fighters. It's not that they struggle against orthodox fighters. It's just the fact that the people they're fighting at the time were just better than them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a narrative, but I believe that I was, Usyk was just better than me on the night. And final one, because I have to wrap up now. Um, what are, I know you're not going to give me a prediction, but how do you see that fight with Alan going on the weekend? Good, really good. Entertaining, tough, grueling, um, challenging. And, uh, but I'll, I'll rise and um, my goals have my hand risen at the end as well. So I'll rise to the challenge and that will lead me to having my hand risen at the end. We had to bleep Charlotte Daly. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte Daly bringing the heat in an interview. <laughs> it just came out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, uh, heat of the moment, Charlotte Daly. I like it. Uh, still, very good stuff from AJ there. Um, that might be the most composed and level I've heard him in a long time, which is great in fight week. Uh, And in fact, he he had answers ready for you before you were finished asking the questions. Like, did you, did you get the vibe from AJ that he was in a good, good place? He sounds it. Yeah. I feel like AJ's whole demeanor yesterday just proved how kind of confident and focused and psychologically ready he is for the fight. You know, he was willing to to uh, talk openly. He wasn't kind of joking around or brushing off questions. Um, he was prepared to actually engage. He was very confident in himself. Um, even the way he spoke about Usyk um, and kind of opening up and saying, look, he was just the better fighter on the night. It just gave me that confidence that it wasn't, you know, brushing it off to this or saying it was because of that. He was just ready to admit that Usyk was better. Um, and, you know, the way he spoke about his training camp, um, the way he was interacting with people in the corridor, the way he was happy and chatting, you know, we had a good laugh before the interview started. He had a smile on his face. Um, it just showed me that he was, yeah, confident in a good mindset. And I, and I really felt like having been around him for the last couple of years at press conferences and media events, I actually felt the shift um, with him yesterday that he feels and looks confident and it's not surface level it feels deeper than that so um it's an exciting time for him and you know he's focused on becoming a three-time world champ and if that confidence is how it felt I've no doubt that you know he can get there as we say he he spent a few days in a darkness retreat I know we've spoke about this a little bit on previous episodes um where you are just alone with your thoughts but I mean dare I say it's given him clarity um, you know, like you said, the Usyk admittance, I think, is a good is a good point. But also, you know, he he had clear ideas on the Southpaw notion. He had clear ideas about where he wants his legacy to be and what fuels him. Like, he, and, and I felt the conviction in his words, which I, I think stuff looked like he was irritating him as recently as the last press conference. So. It seemed like a different AJ and the kind of AJ he needs to be. Um, I guess the only thing for us to evaluate in terms of training is bringing in Ben Davidson recently. Again, we have spoke about it a little bit. The fact that Davidson, obviously former Fury 
uh, trainer, helped him get the victory over Wilder and was in his corner to face Valin. So there are parallels there. Um, but I guess, do we think AJ was overthinking it by this world tour for a new trainer post Rob McCracken? Was he trying to like reinvent the wheel when he just needed tweaks? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. And I guess it was a learning curve for AJ too. But how we've landed with Ben Davidson at this stage in his career and this late towards his next fight, it definitely is fascinating. Yeah, I actually think it's a really good link up. I've said it before um, and, you know, I'll say it again. I think it's a good time for AJ to be with someone like Davidson. You know, we've seen clips of him and he's looking very powerful on the pads and he's letting his hands go. Throwing his hands hasn't always been AJ's go-to tactic at the moment. Um, so... I think the fact that we're seeing that is brilliant, but also I think Davison will enhance his footwork and his defensive skills, which is going to be really important when he goes into dangerous fights with, you know, Deontay Wilder and hopefully Tyson Fury at some point. I, I will say that the two or three times that I've sat down and done interviews with AJ, uh, I don't, it hasn't been for the past two or three years, um, but he was obviously unbeaten at, at one point, and then I think I interviewed him post Ruiz. He's always struck me as a very confident person, right? Had like incredible belief in himself. And I think that was actually a massive part of his arsenal in his early career. And it's good to hear that kind of confidence come back into his words once again, because I do wonder if his best asset, which was going on the attack and using his power, now you seem to get people talking about, oh, AJ's, you know, or oh, he, he wouldn't be able to take a shot from. X, Y, and Z, Wilder, etc. You know, he hasn't got the chin, blah, blah, blah. I mean, let me tell you, this is a six foot six juggernaut of a man who is extremely dangerous that people seem to forget from time to time. I would love this violin performance to be the one where he reminds people exactly what he can do. It all just, if all the pieces come together here, then we're in for a really exciting 2024 unless we forget, that is what we will get. If Wilder beats Parker and Joshua beats Valin, we are going to finally get the super fight that we were moaning, I was moaning, that we were not getting on this card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast.
So one man that has been making a lot of noise in Saudi Arabia this week, and we're only one day in, is Jarrell Miller. Now, I caught up with him right at the start of the day to kind of get his thoughts. And he had some pretty interesting takes. I actually signed up for Martha Stewart's Vineyard, you know, you know, pottery class. And I learned how to do pottery. I learned how to plant flowers. <laughs> I can make a mean cup of espresso now, you know, shit like that. I really kind of like, you know, how you say domesticated a little bit, you know. No, I ain't doing none of that crap. Um, actually, you know, I was on a farm for a little while in Florida. Kind of just like stayed away from people. Kind of like, kind of refigured out what I want to do in life, and, um, you know, trying to get my family back in order, you know, went through a divorce and stuff like that. And it, a lot of people in my corner thought had my back didn't. Financially, of course, it was definitely tough, but, you know, I'm a pretty smart dude. I kind of figure out how to maneuver it, and I can sell bottle, bottle, bottle water to another bottle of water, you know what <laughs> I mean? I'm just gangster like that. So um, I just kind of, you know, just take a step back and look look at it from a bigger picture. And I'm and I'm and I'm blessed in a way because I'm still healthy. I'm still I'm still young, um, smart, a little wiser now, and I know exactly where I need to go. I know exactly how to get there. I already went through the the tough routes. I took my lickings. I took my beatings already. Now be smart about it and just keep moving forward. You know. And being smart about it, moving forward. Saudi Arabia, massive payday. Everyone yeah. on the card has already said that that yeah. it's financially rewarding right. taking on Daniel Dubois. Um, did you watch that fight with Usyk? I'm sure you did. What did you make of the low blow, not low blow situation? Um, yeah, I think, I think the shot was definitely still a little high in the body. I don't think it was the exact low blow. You could argue with that. But, um, you know, if you take it from, from just that one point of view, right, in fight game, things happen. And if that one mistake by the referee would have went the other way, yeah, Dubois would have won. But Dubois... Has to still have the war mentality to say, listen, I didn't get it this time. I have what five? I don't know what round to happen. What five, six more rounds? I'm gonna get him again. I'm gonna keep pushing for it. I'm gonna keep pressing him. And you never know how the outcome would have came. But mentally, that decision right there kind of broke Dubois' confidence down and and ended ended his demise at the end where he got knocked out with a jab. So. That just shows you his mental fortitude, you know, and how he reacts to certain things. But that's the boxing game. You just can't quit because something doesn't happen in the fight your way. And that's boxing. You've got to kind of readjust to it. So, yeah, I watched the fight plenty of time. Matter of fact, I've watched Daniel Dubois' Instagram every day. Like, I'm a stalker, bro. Like, it's weird. Like, I realized that. I, I didn't believe it at first because I'm like, nah, I'm not like that. Like, nah, nah. But, like, I mean, like, even before the AJ fight, like, I'll be stalking dude's page. Like, yeah, what do you eat for breakfast? Word like did you do cardio at nighttime? Oh, that's his girlfriend. I found his girlfriend. Oh yeah, she put con- he, he she cooking with, with corn oil. Oh yeah, he gonna be out of shit. Like I'm like that paranoid. Like I'm like paranoid to where I'm stalking guys. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. His trainer Don Charles, his spawn partners Stewart, the other guy. That's I don't know. I I know all his spawn partners that you know. I, I don't. It's no one that can mimic me. That's number one. That is the worst mistake you can do trying to find a 335-pound guy that can mimic a guy that throw 80 punches around. There's no person on the planet that does what I do. So he brought in some guys. One was big, like really out of shape. You know, he doesn't really have no heart. I don't think he can ever, you know, mimic my style. But, you know, I feel like they had a big body in front of him, and that's the best they can do. So you're not impressed by his kind of sparring and his build-up? No, no, hell no. 
So, Dude. okay, then talk to me about your sparring and your build-up then. Oh, so my sparring, my sparring was I found a bunch of, like, guys that I know that quit football, they quit soccer, they quit baseball, and I just put them in a boxing ring and chased them and they just quit. So that was kind of like my, you know, this guy's going to quit somewhere in the middle of the fight, you know. So that was my training for this guy. <laughs> now, I, now I had some decent sparring. I had some good guys, you know, 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 guys. You know, I sparred, I think, 20 rounds one day straight this just you know, be relaxed. You know, I'm I'm a kind of person where I'm very mental. Where if I'm not in the ring and I'm not having fun, then I need to spar again. So once I get to a point where I'm so exhausted and I'm still in there playing my James Brown and I'm having fun and I'm kicking your ass and I'm taking some shots, it's all in your head. It's really all in your head. And once you conquer your your mindset, then the physical will attach to it. So do you think that that's why you now have the advantage going into this fight? Is because you think that Daniel Dubois quit? against Usyk and you're not a quitter. I mean, listen, you, did you watch the fight? Yeah. You thought he quit? I don't think he quit, but I think he was like very disheartened after the low blow situation, as you would be, of course, right? But you've got to go again. Like you said, that you've got to maximise and make the most of the rounds that you have left. Correct, correct. So that choice, she just said it, you quit. <laughs> That's exactly what she just said. Yeah, if you're disheartened and you didn't get the... The, the, the knockout decision you wanted, you can't hear me again. I didn't get the body shot. You quit. So, yes, I totally agree with you. Now he's not going to talk to me either. <laughs> what you do is you interview him first. Well, interview, I'm sorry. Interview him next. Release his interview, then release mine after. That's okay. how you got to do it. So, okay. so um, yeah. Well, another storyline that's obviously um, grabbed headlines is you and AJ obviously mm. had a lot to say to each other on stage. Mm. Um, do you think he's so bitter about you and the situation because the fact that then he went and fought Andy Ruiz and lost and that that was his first loss? Yeah. Do you think that's why he holds it yeah, in most, against most, you? Most definitely he's still bitter about that. But it's so funny that you lose to somebody that doesn't hit as hard as me, right? Not as big as I am, not as mean as I am, right? Short notice, and he smoked you. You thought I was going to, what do you think I was going to do to him? That's what I'm trying to say. So, you and I, and I, and I have a better chin than Andy, I believe. You know, so... If that guy did that to you, imagine what I was going to do to you in my home city. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, too, is mentally it makes you look at AJ. Even from that day on, he's never came back to America, had no attempt to coming back to America. So that just shows me you have no confidence. Your team doesn't have no confidence. The American market is not really your thing. And nobody gives a shit about AJ in America. And even even if English fans are kind of fed up with him, you know, I'm getting DMs all the time. Kick his ass. I'm from England. I hear it all the time. I'm like, shit. I'm, as soon as he want to jump in that ring, I'll get him, you know. So it is what it is at the end of the day. But I don't see how you getting your ass whooped by another man. You won't be mad at me. You should have showed up regardless of who the man was in front of you. But I feel like Eddie was more mad than anything. Because, you know, <laughs> Eddie had dibs on. Man, I had a contract with Eddie too. So if I would have won... Eddie still would have had more money in the pocket with me. So I understand why Eddie's mad because he had both of us locked in. So no matter who wins or loses, he had both of us tied in. He had nothing with Andy. So Andy whooped his ass and took the bus and, you know, what's going on? It's what it is. It is what it is. It's business. Business is what it is. Uh, Jarrell Mirror, what a character he is and what a lot he has to say. I don't think I'm even going to decompress some of the stuff he said about Dubois there. Um, <laughs> that is for Daniel Dubois to answer. But, um, it's interesting because he was kind of primed for his breakout fight with AJ. And I think a lot of, a lot of us have just kind of put him to the back of our minds because of various, you know, he got a six-month suspension from WBA and then the Nevada State Commission and he's had multiple failed drugs tests. I remember sitting talking with him prior to the AJ 
fight that was meant to happen. And he was basically accusing AJ of being on drugs. And then obviously what came out, what came out, like the multiple failed tests that he had and, um, you know, everyone felt a little bit let down by that. And he's kind of had to claw his way back ever since. Um, you know, he's had two fights in 2022. He had Lucas Brown earlier this year in March. You know, not stellar names, but Lucas Brown is a former world champion for those who are counting. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is on paper. Um, you know, this is a really tough one for him against Daniel Dubois. Uh, I know he might be calling Dubois a quitter and he's trying to make you say the same. Um, but you know that, that again this is this is two really big hitters fighting each other actually on paper i'm very excited for it i'm not going to lie yeah so am i i think um just to put some context the start of that interview with him um he was talking about what he was doing with his timeout um after the failed drugs test so just to give some context to that but yeah his um his fight with Daniel Dubois is going to be a really good one. Like, I don't think it will be artistic. Um, I think it will be a bit of a war, a bit of a slugfest. I can imagine it being brutal. Um, but I think it's going to be one of the most exciting fights on the night. I actually I think it's going to be brilliant. No, I'm, I very much agree. Um, you know, because it is just two people that will go guns blazing looking for the finish. And they are two powerful, powerful men. Um you know, Do you know what I'm also looking forward to, actually? If he wins that fight against Daniel Dubois and then he's ringside for the AJ fight, it's going to be absolute carnage. And I all... Do you know what? I'm, I'm living for it. I mean, there's there's still money in that fight, though. There is still money in that fight, Miller and Joshua. Like, that's infinitely more interesting than half of the fights you could get for AJ. Like, other than, other than Wilder and Fury, and, you know, if Dillian White was clear, that'd also be great. Other than that, Jarrell Miller is right there if he can keep his nose clean and, and, you know, everything above board doesn't fail any more tests. People would pay to see that carnage once more. Um, but I, I mean, I look from their interactions around the hotel and stuff, and I, I can tell that obviously Miller is absolutely gagging for it. Like, he's gagging for the action. Well, AJ seems pretty composed to me. Yeah, I think AJ is composed. Like, there's another clip going around on social media where um, AJ was sat down at the table with some of the um, newspaper journalists down in the foyer at the hotel and Miller walks past. And as he walks past, he just murmurs a few things into AJ's ear and just carries on and he's looking for a reaction. AJ doesn't give him anything. We know what he said. <laughs> we know what he said. <laughs> You're not going to make me say it. I've been bleeped already on the podcast. I can't say it again now. He smelt a feline is what he smelt. Uh, but yes, obviously he did not get the rise out of AJ that he was probably hoping for. And then later on, they ended up talking. I say talking, it makes it sound really diplomatic, but they had words in the hotel um, where AJ again was very much like, I don't really get where all this hostility is coming from. Um, but, well, also, I think the fight would sell so well because they would go at each other. Like, obviously, Jarrell would just keep this constant um, barrage of abuse up. But also, Jarrell and um, Eddie Hearn don't get on either. So, you know, we've seen them go head to head and we've seen the disputes they've had at um, press conferences and stuff like that. So not only would Jarrell be going after 
AJ, he'd be going after Eddie too. So for the casual fans out there, that's the sort of stuff they love to see in the build up to a fight, the um, anticipation and the aggro that goes back and forth. Well, that's looking ahead. Let's look a little more short term shall we, and discuss what we think is going to happen in these fights on this stacked card, Day of Reckoning, December 23rd, just in time for Christmas. And we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of fights. Um, Talk about a lot of work for you this week, Charlotte. We won't do AJ and Violin. Obviously, we've already done that with our good friends over at Paddy Power. But Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker, all I'll say here is, for all the people that Wilder's knocked out, Parker probably has a better chin than most. This will be one of the most robust people that Deontay will face. Um, But still, I don't know if that's good news for Parker. Yeah, I mean, Parker, I think, is looking really exciting at the moment. I actually think he's looking the best version of himself. Um, The only thing I would say, even though he's more exciting and he's more aggressive, he is letting his hands go more, which worries me in terms of his defensive style for fighting someone like Deontay Wilder. Um, I do think Wilder Wilder will beat him. Um, I think it's a shame because I think Parker is on a good run of form and it's nice to see him kind of back to his best, if not better than his best, but I just can't see him getting past Wilder. Yeah, I, th- I think a wilder knockout as well. But um, I mean, I've, we've seen Parker be hurt by the likes of Dillian White, etc. Like he, he obviously can be hurt, and nobody hits harder than Wilder, arguably. So you know, I, I think the super fight remains on essentially between Joshua and Wilder, uh, Dubois and Jarrell Miller, your good friend Jarrell Miller. Uh, I, I think Dubois here, not to be you know a partisan Brit, but um, I, I do think. Dubois' only losses on his record are he was boxing incredibly well against Joe Joyce and was on the verge of winning that. He certainly was ahead on the scorecards prior to getting his eye socket fractured. And and there's no shame in losing to Alexander Usyk. Jarrell Miller's CV is vastly different. You know, Bogdan Dinu is one of his best wins. You know, no disrespect or anything. I'm just saying by comparison of who Dubois has fought, it is quite vast. And I think he's going to get a shock when he, you know, he talks about being 300 pounds, Etc. But Dubois is a big man. You don't just bowl over Daniel Dubois. So I think Dubois, um, and I can only imagine this fight ends in a knockout. I, I sincerely doubt they go the distance. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you here. I think Dubois will win this one as well. Um, I think having been in camp, faced Usyk back in camp, I think he's in a good position kind of physically. Um, I also think, you know, Jarrell Miller has shed some pounds. He's looking um, fitter than he has in the past, but I don't think it's going to be enough to get past uh, Dubois. But as I said before, I don't think it's going to be a pretty fight. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a war. It has potential for upset, but um, I don't think it will happen. And then we've got Mark DeMory. Now, British boxing fans may remember that name. I'll get back to there in a second. Uh, against Philip Hergovich, who, again, will be the man that AJ would potentially target sometime next year should he be victorious at the weekend. I think most people are expecting a Hergovich victory here. Yeah. Damori, do you know what? He's a great character. I spoke to him yesterday and... Um... He is up for war. I think his exact words were, I want to knock his head off, break his ribs and puncture his lungs, were exactly what he said to me. Um, So there's no doubt that he is feisty and ready to go. But 
Unfortunately, uh, I think Hergovic is just that level above. I don't think Hergovic performed very well in his last fight. I think he'll be looking for redemption in terms of um, public opinion. So yeah, I think it will be um, another war, but I just, I can't see Hergovic not winning that one. For those who remember, Damori fought David Hay back in the day, 2015. And he was he used to be represented by Don King. There you go. Little fact file on uh, Damori for you. Uh, and finally, we've got Aslanabek Magmadov. I think I've done a good job there. And Ajit Kabayel, um, the latter of whom has been linked with fighting a myriad of top heavyweights for a few years now, but has not quite broken through that ceiling. Um, I have to imagine it will be Kabayel who who gets the victory here. Uh, Kabayel was actually, yeah, he was linked with uh, the Joshua fight when Dillian White tested positive. Um I did ask him about that yesterday and he said that it was because the turnaround was so quick um, that he was originally meant to be fighting uh, AJ. Then they went for Dillian White and then they went back to him after uh, the positive test. But yeah, he he said that he didn't have enough time in camp, so he didn't take it. I think this will actually be a much tougher fight um, than expected. I think this could be one of the ones where it shocks fans, goes either way. Um, but having spoken to Kybell yesterday, he looks good, he sounds good, he's confident. Um, so I'm going to give this one to him, but I have to say I'm pretty 50-50 on it, you know? Oh, it could be an upset. Uh, it's worth mentioning that he did beat Derek Chisora back in 2017, if any of you were wondering about his CV or were familiar with his name. But other than that, he, he really hasn't had any top-level uh, contests, let's say. His resume is not the most expansive. So, uh, like I said, anyone's, anyone's game. This is the end of Season 1 of The Hook, would you believe, just in time for Christmas. Uh, while we're away over the festive holidays, uh, make sure you stay tuned to Mail Sport for all the essential fighting news. Yep, so for full interviews and features with the stars from the fighting world, head to Mel Sport Boxing's YouTube channel. And for clips, go to our social media channels. Don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you get your podcast from. See you in 2024. I'm Alex McCarthy. And I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 